listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Last night, if you didn't see it, I tweeted, it's like Rockstar Games has sucked us all through a portal and we're living inside Grand Theft Auto 6. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what Grand Theft Auto is, it's a video game that pretty much mirrors what the, what the nation looks like right now. Just complete chaos and, and crime. And um, so I wanted to talk to you about this because... I mean, just crazy stuff's happening, but I want you to see what the Bible says about it. It's always, and of course, you know, normally, I know Buddy said we're in Fortnite. It's like a game of Fortnite. Hey, LaJoy, love you. Um, So one of the things you need to understand is that not only does the Bible prophesy that these things would take place, we covered that yesterday. If you missed yesterday's broadcast, man, go back and listen to the podcast or watch it. It'll stir you up. I talked about prophetic signs of the end that we're seeing right now in our generation. But um, it's true, Mackenzie. But one of the things that I want you to see, thanks, Jonathan. I'm in, I'm in uh, his tabernacle church in New York. And this is, this is one of the sets in the church. Um, but I want to tell you this because it, it, it's mind-blowing. I don't know if you saw it, but in Seattle, they've literally taken six full blocks and <laughs> have freed them. <laughs> They've freed six blocks uh, of the city in Seattle. And that basically was signs up. If you go to my, um, if you go to my Twitter, if you go to my Instagram to look, they actually have signs up on the barricades that say you are now leaving America. You're now leaving America. And um, people think that they're going to literally uh, divide the nation, you know, up into like little freed areas. <laughs> you know, I don't know what they think they're going to do. But <clears throat> as crazy as we thought all this was, they have now released demands. They've got their own demands now. And um, by the way, I, I, uh, I retweeted um, yeah, that was Seattle, Danielle. I, I retweeted Senator Joe Manchin, who's my cousin, by the way, um, who said, you know, obviously there needs to be reform. Obviously some things need to change, but defunding the police department as a whole is an insane idea. It's craziness. It's crazy talk just to completely take all law and order away from a nation. Crazy. Anybody that supports that has lost their mind. But anyway, um, those that have completely freed this area of Seattle um, have now released their demands of what they want. And Pastor Cody sent me uh, these today, and I was just going through them. I mean, listen, listen to this. I'm going to just read a few of them so that you can see how insane this is. I mean, that's exactly, it's like Hunger Games. It's like, what we're going to turn the nation into like, uh, what did they call them? It was like sectors or what, what do they call them? Something like that. Number one, the police department and the attached court system are beyond reform, according to these people. 
beyond reform. We don't request reform. We demand abolition. So we're going to abolish. <laughs> we're going to abolish the police department. Yeah, the districts. We're going to have you know districts throughout America. We're going to abolish the police departments and not just the police departments and the court systems. Completely about that's their de- number number one demand. We're going to abolish police departments and abolish the court systems. They're beyond reform. I mean this this is the uh, this is the intelligentsia speaking from behind the behind the lines of the freed America in their little district. Abolished completely, hundred percent, hundred percent abolished. Okay. Let's go beyond that. <clears throat> what else do they want? Well, let's take a look. Number two, <laughs> in the transitionary period between now and the dismantlement of the Seattle Police Department and the, and the courts, we demand that the use of armed force be banned entirely. Number three, we demand an end to the school-to-prison pipeline and the abolition of youth jails, get the kids out of prison, get cops out of schools. So we want no cops in schools, uh, completely re- remove cops from every area of life. Not only that, listen to this. We demand that not just the city government, not the state government, but that the federal government launch a full-scale investigation into past and current cases of police brutality and uh, as well as the reopening of all closed cases. Now, hold on. The reopening of all closed cases. They want the federal government to reopen every single closed case that there is. Nut jobs. Um, We demand reparations from the victims of police brutality. We demand that the city of Seattle make the names of the officers involved in the police. Okay, so you got violent people that are violently taking over sections of the city. And here's the next demand. We demand that the city of Seattle make the names of the police officers, which includes their families, by the way, public record. Why, why do you want to know who they are and where they are? I, I know why you want to know who they are and where they are. Absolutely, I know why you want to know who they are and where they are, which includes where their families are, which includes where their children are. We know why you want to know. Wicked people. You fools. Think about this. We demand, now think about this next one is insane. This next one is is extremely insane. We demand a retrial (laughs) of all people of color currently serving a prison sentence for violent crime by a jury of their peers in their community. A retrial of every single person that's in prison, person of color that's in prison, serving a sentence because of violent crime. I mean, bro, Pastor Mark Hankins, love you. I mean, crazy talk, crazy people. I'm going to show you this in the Word in a minute. I mean, can you imagine what it would take? Can you imagine what it would take? I mean, it's not like, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, people are insane. (laughs) I could go down and read through all these. They're not short. They've got tons of requests. Yeah, it's like dismantle the courts, but we also want the courts. <laughs> That's exactly right, Mackenzie. It's like 
please dismantle all the courts immediately, but also let's use the courts to retry every person that's in jail. That's got, that's been, um, that's exactly right, Kim. I mean, they're not even, when you realize people aren't even thinking, they're not even thinking. These are not what you would call intelligent people. They're just angry people. And some of them, you know, you can understand why people get angry. You can understand the injustice. No question you can. But to think, to think because you have, I said this yesterday, to think that if there's corruption in a system that you need to abolish the entire system, then let me give you a heads up, geniuses. Every system in the entire world would have to be shut down including the church, including the church, because there's corrupt preachers. There's corrupt pastors and evangelists, apostles, prophets, and teachers. There's preachers that have been arrested for embezzlement. There's preachers that have had their own problems. The Catholic church would have to shut down. Every Protestant church would have to shut down. All the courts would have to shut down. All the police departments would have to shut down. Every corporation would have to shut down. You realize that, don't you? If you're going to use that logic, which by the way is extremely foolish, every system would have to shut down. Well, it's beyond reform. Nothing's beyond reform. <laughs> Nothing is beyond reform. Exactly. Josh, Pastor Josh Van Hook said, there's probably corrupt people watching this stream right now. That's probably true. They're checking in on me to make sure I'm still insane. And so it's like, it's It's nuts. You think about if you shut down any system because there's corruption in it and you just claim we got to shut it down, it's beyond reform. You got to shut everything down. You got, you know what you'd have to do, which is what they want, by the way. That's what's part of the antichrist agenda that I've been preaching about. You've got to shut all of the government down. You got to shut, you have to completely abolish a nation, which is what they want. They don't want a nation or nations. The antichrist system wants a one world governmental control, a one world religion. You understand? One world money system. It's prophesied in the Bible. It's what they want. Antichrist system doesn't want independent strong nations with control. They want to tear the control down and have a global control. So I want you to understand this today is that these things that you're beginning to see happen throughout the nation, they come from, <clears throat> watch this, they come out of and come from not a place of justice, not even a place of hurt. They truly stem from an antichrist spirit and an antichrist agenda. And you need to see that as a Christian or else you'll be fooled. You'll be fooled into believing that it's all about justice, that it's all... I mean, do you honestly think, I mean, think about this. And I understand that there is injustice. So don't think that I'm on here saying there's no such thing as injustice. Of course there is. I just made that point that there's corruption in every area of the world. Listen, as long as there are wicked people, there will be corruption. Please understand that. As long as there are wicked people whose hearts are not renewed by the blood of Jesus Christ, there will be corruption. If you're watching this, I want you to write it in the comments, wickedness equals corruption. I want you to put it in the comments, wickedness equals corruption. Don't forget it, put it down, listen to it.
Understand it. Wickedness equals corruption. So understand, I'm not saying there's no injustice. I'm not saying there's not uh, inequality. Of course there is. And of course we fight against that. We stand against that. We call it out and we call it corruption. But don't think you're going to solve it with more wickedness and more corruption. Of course, that's insane. And so when you see things like this happening, just know and understand it doesn't stem from justice. If you look into Seattle at what they're doing and what they're demanding, and you think that that's what justice looks like, you've lost your mind. I said it yesterday. Go to a nation. See, the problem with most of these people is that they've never been outside the United States of America. That's the problem with most people that act like this. You've never been outside the United States. So you don't like you don't know what it's like to be in a third world nation where there's where the government is just totally corrupt and the forces are totally corrupt. That's your problem. Is that you've never been outside your little American bubble, your little Canadian bubble. And so you think that if we could just get it all out of the way, we'd have peace and yeah, go to all the nations. Go to Mexico. Just go south of the border to Mexico and see what total corruption looks like. I mean, like to the point where they're in a total civil war that the State Department says don't even travel there, where you've got people coming onto resorts. You've got cartels and wicked people coming onto resort properties and dragging Americans off for ransom. I mean, if you really think like that, go outside the U.S. and Canada to a third world nation where the government is totally corrupt. You know, where, where, where the policing forces are totally corrupt. It's like I heard them laughing in Nigeria. They said in America, they have a number you can call, speaking about 911. They got a number you can call if you're in trouble and people come help you. And everybody laughed and the congregation laughed. They said here in Nigeria, you could call anybody you want, any number you want. And the people that come are probably going to be more corrupt than the people that were holding you up. Total corruption. You know, we don't help you unless we get bribe money. Problem with most of these people is that they've never been out of their little United States or Canadian bubble. And they think that what we really need is to get rid of the police departments and the court systems. You've lost your freaking mind. Go to nations where everything is like that and see how great it is. How great it is to live in those nations. It's not great. When men can just come with machetes and cart your children off, take your daughters into sex slavery, take them off and into, into actual slavery, it's not great. And these people have lost their minds. This needs to be shared today, by the way. If you haven't shared it, you need to share it. And I've told people, I don't care one bit, not one bit, if people unfollow me during this time, if they block my account during this time, I don't care. If, I, don't, I really don't care. Because it needs to be said. And you don't sacrifice the truth to make wicked people comfortable or happy. You don't sacrifice the truth to make wicked people comfortable or happy. What do you think? Everybody was happy with Jesus' message? Everybody was just clapping their hands every time he spoke. There were tons of people that not only hated him, they plotted to kill him over and over and over. If you understand the Bible, you have to understand that there is a spirit of Antichrist alive in the world. No question. But we have overcome the spirit of Antichrist. 
Exactly. That's why there's that button on Facebook if you want to mark me as, as offensive. But I, I know the people that are watching this, that you're the, the victory tribe that stays on here. I understand that Facebook's algorithm has basically gotten it to the place where it's like they don't show your content to anybody that's not interested. They've like mastered that to where it's like, I used, I remember when live streaming started and I'd be on Periscope or I'd be on Facebook live. And before YouTube even said you could go live, I'd get all kinds of people coming on that were dropping F-bombs, cussing me out, yelling at me. You're an idiot. You're a false prophet. You're a goon. If you believe that there's a God that used to fill the comments section. And they've so perfected the algorithm now that the only people that see it are the people that um, they know want to see what you're saying. So we don't get that anymore. You know, we, have you ever noticed that, that the comment section is not filled with people F-bombing me and saying you're a moron and, you know, it doesn't happen anymore. You know why? And that's part of the way, reason, by the way, that's part of the reason that if you just relied on Facebook and YouTube for your ministry, online church, don't fool yourself into thinking you're reaching the world and all of the unsaved with your broadcasts. Because they've already doubled down on reinforcing what they want to happen with the algorithm. So it's the people that they know interact with Christian pages on Facebook, interact with Christian videos on YouTube, and the algorithm puts that all together and says, oh, here's something that they've interacted with in the past. They're Christians. They know you're a Christian by what you watch, and that we'll serve them up this content. Did you ever notice that? I mean, there's like 18,000 people that follow us on Facebook. And notice, there's not 18,000 people watching today. There's not even 1,000 people watching today. So they serve it up to people that want to see it. So don't think for a minute that because you have online church or because you have online services that you're somehow reaching all the unbelievers in your area. It doesn't work that way. And pastors have been duped into believing we've reached the masses. Listen, they show it to who they know wants to see it. You might get the occasional, I mean, I've given altar calls and we get people that write in and say, I prayed the prayer of salvation with you, but understand it's not the same. So don't think it's like being on television where it's just anybody that has a TV can watch your broadcast. They put it out to people that they want to see it. It's how the algorithm works. And so I, I understand we don't get the blowback like we used to get, you know, we don't get all the F-bombs we used to get and people getting mad and trying to doesn't happen like it used to because they've perfected their algorithm. I understand how it works. I know totally how it works. I don't blow it out of proportion in my mind. I know exactly what's going on. But it needs to be said, and that's why I ask you to share it, because the more you do share it, the more people do see it because you're sharing it. And this needs to be heard. That the stuff that's going on in our nation right now is foolishness, and it has nothing to do with justice. It has nothing to do with social warriors. It has everything to do with antichrist agenda, antichrist spirit. That's what it has to do with. Division is never of God. Any Christian that's involved in that needs to rethink their life because division is never from God. It's never from God. God doesn't bring division among the brothers. And what you're seeing happen right now is division even among the church because Christian people have now not woken up. They're asleep. Christian people are fighting against Christian people, tearing down Christian people. Understand that. So it's it's very interesting to me. See that what Nick's saying? 
the AI algorithm reacts to the amount of reactions that occur per live stream. One reaction is logged per person does not count if you spam a heart or like. So understand that. There's Christian people fighting against Christian people. There are people, the enemy's trying to divide the church and conquer the church. He's trying to come after the unity of the brethren. The world doesn't have the answer. Christ is the answer. Christ in us is the answer. I want you to see this with me. Go to the book of James. This spirit, this, this popped up in my spirit today so strong, so strong, this verse of scripture. And I thought to myself, that's exactly it. That's exactly what's going on in our nation. Go, go with me. James chapter 3. James chapter 3 needs to be heard. Let me read you two verses. Actually, I'll read you three. No, four. We'll start with, you know what? Let's just read verses 13 through 18. James 3, verses 13 through 18. We don't need more division in the body of Christ. We need unity. Because if we're going to do, and I, that's why I taught on unity and division. That's why I taught on it and talked about confusion and chaos. If you go back and watch that broadcast or listen to it, chaos, confusion, division, they're not from God. In fact, God used them as a weapon against his enemies. Let's read James 3, verses 13 through 18. Listen to this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. What you're getting, what you're seeing a lot around the nation right now is selfish ambition. Has nothing to do with justice. Let me tell you something. When you see things breaking out the way they're breaking out, and I'm not talking about peaceful protesters, who I'm not against that. I'm, I'm totally for it. We have the right to do it. We should do it. We should speak out. I'm not against peaceful protesters whatsoever. But when you see, and I know a lot of this has been put out by uh, organizations and groups that just want to cause violence and instigated by them, including white supremacist groups, I get that. But when you see people rioting and looting, and they say, well, it's because of George Floyd, and we want to honor the memory of all those that have gone down. Let me tell you something. It doesn't honor their memory. It's all based purely on selfish ambition. It's all selfish ambition. When a dude's walking out of a liquor store with 10 bottles of liquor with a smile on his face, that has nothing to do with justice, has nothing to do with George Floyd or any other victim of brutality or murder. Has nothing to do with that. You know what it is? Selfish ambition. When somebody comes running out of a Walmart or a Target with flat screens and clothes and shoes and whatever else you want to loot and run out with, has nothing to do with justice, has nothing to do with love, has nothing to do with the memory of a dead, murdered uh, victim, has everything to do with selfish ambition. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to tell me? Every time I watch that 70-inch flat screen that was stolen on the wall, I'll remember George Floyd. Has nothing to do with justice. Has nothing to do with... Um, you know, inequality or injustice. It has everything to do with selfish ambition. That's it. I call it out. I don't care who gets mad. That's what it is. I could care less if people don't like it. Selfish ambition. And the Bible says, 
But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Go on with me. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That's verse 15. It is not from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Verse 16. For wit- Now, this is, this is here, right? This is what jumped up in my spirit today. Catch this verse. If you catch anything, catch this. Listen to verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, wherever they are, there will be disorder and every vile practice. I'm going to stop there for a second and break that down. You catch that. You catch that. Where there is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder. What are you seeing in the streets? Total disorder. What are they calling for? More disorder. Let me tell you something, the abolition of the police department, the defunding of the police department, the abolition of the government, state, civil, everything else, that is not a call for justice, you fool. That's a call for more disorder. The justice system didn't get every single case wrong for every single person of color. Please, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. We want want to... Abolish the courts and then retry everybody. How are you going to retry them, you genius? James 3, 16, Kim. James chapter 3 and verse 16. So understand this. Where there is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Love you, Barb. There will be disorder. You see that? Disorder and every vile practice. Doesn't say some will exist. The Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says every vile practice will be present when there is selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. That's what you're seeing today. Selfish ambition. I'm not saying, please understand this if you're watching the broadcast or catch the replay. I'm not saying people who want justice for the injustices that have happened or want equality in the place of inequality have selfish ambition. That's not what I'm talking about. Of course, we need to have justice for victims. Of course, we need to see justice and no injustice. Of course, we need to see equality among people. Doesn't have anything to do with their skin color. They need to have equal footing. Of course, I'm for that. I'm not calling those people people with self-ambition. I'm calling the people that do things that are wicked and disorderly and operate in every vile practice. These are people that have an anti-Christ spirit that are operating in an anti-Christ anti-anointing, if you will. Did you know that there's a demonic anointing and that there's a Holy Ghost anointing? You can operate in a spirit of wickedness or a spirit of righteousness. You see that. And so you need to understand there's an what we would call an anti-anointing. That's an anti-Christ anointing. That's what demonic anointing is. It's a demonically inspired and induced state. People that are demon-possessed or led about by demons are operating in an anti-anointing. 
They were cast out in the Old Testament. Demons were cast out. Wicked things were completely overturned by the power of the Holy Ghost. There is. You look at the spirit, the, the spirits that possessed the man in the graveyard, legion of demons. You look at the sorceress that was following uh, around, the, the fortune teller, following a, around behind Paul. These men are men of God until Paul got ticked off about it, turned around, cast the demon out. There is an anti-anointing that has to be dealt with, but you can only deal with it if you carry the anointing of God. And too many preachers have turned into politicians and are more worried about politics than they are the power of God. And it's, it's wrong because it, it brings division to the body. It brings, you're missing out on what God's really called you to do. There's pastors that'll do every other thing than what the Bible commands ministers to do. Every other thing, every other thing. Let me show you something, by the way. Go with me to Acts chapter six. Acts chapter six. I'm just, I'm really just uh, being led by the spirit today. And I see my friend, uh, brother Tony Jones. I'm just really being led by the spirit today because I want us to hear what this disorder is coming from, where you see people that are trying to create districts in America, shut down Seattle. You're now leaving America. You're going to, now you're going to slice up our nation and put us into division in our own nation and call for the abolition of all police and all governments and all courts. You've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. Now, let me say this about preachers, and I can say it because I am a preacher, and I don't care that I'm 38 years old because it's the truth of the word. You don't have to be 70 to lay out the truth of the word. That's one of the dumbest things that anybody could ever say. Paul had to encourage Timothy because he thought that way. Well, I've got older people in the church, and you know, I, I, I don't know if I should really be speaking to the older people in the church. Paul wrote him a letter and said, don't let anybody despise your youth. Preach the word to the entire assembly. That's what he told him. Correct, reprove. And so understand this, I'm saying it because it's Bible truth, not my opinion, it's Bible truth. People have gotten off doing side things and they've left the actual work of the ministry. What's the proof? The proof is the average size of the church in America. 65 people is the average size of a congregation. That's foolishness. When there's, you know, if, if you believe the stats, 330 million Americans, 330 million Americans, the average church size should not be 65 people. But you know what's happened? Laziness has crept in for some. Things have sidetracked others, and they're more interested in doing things that are not what God called them to do than they are what God called them to do. There's pastors that get bored. There's evangelists that get bored. Apostles, prophets, and teachers that get bored. They have not let, they've not kept the fire burning in their spirit. They get bored with their calling because they've not pressed in. Then they get excited about something else. They start a business, become an entrepreneur. They're more excited about their personal business than they are their church and what God's called them to do. They get involved in uh, lobby, you know, they get out and they're now a lobbyist and they're a politician on the side and they're more interested in their causes than they are the call of God that's on their life. It happens all through America. Now, don't think I'm making it up. I've traveled. I've watched it all over the place. They get bored with their call. They let their fire burn out. And then they do every other thing except what God called them to do. And the church suffers because of it. The church, the church that should be growing, should be flourishing, should be seeing signs and wonders and miracles, it suffers because leaders have lost their fire. And I don't mind calling it out in love. Because I'm not naming individuals. I'm talking about principles. 
talking about principles. Acts chapter 6, this should show you something. This should show you something right here. Because what do you think is more important? Having a political, let me, let me just ask it this way. Having a political stance or taking care of widows and orphans? Actually practically taking care of widows and orphans. Which one do you think is more important? Well, it's obviously taking care of the actual broken, right? That's more important. Actually feeding widows and orphans. So look at this. Acts chapter 6. Look what happened. Acts 6 and verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the church was exploding, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's the Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrew Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Okay? So look at the problem. Church is exploding, and now there's a problem because some of the widows are being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Verse two, and the 12, that's the apostles of the lamb, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, now watch this, watch this right here. Catch this in your spirit. Verse two, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, and we'll appoint to them this duty. So notice what the apostles, who were the apostles of the Lamb, they were handpicked by Jesus. Notice what they understood in their mind. If I'm called for a purpose to minister to people, then I can't spend my time distributing food and feeding programs I can't spend all my time going out and doing other things and using my valuable time where I should be praying and fasting and studying and getting into the word to give it to the people that God's entrusted me with. I cannot break that off and say, well, now I'm going to, and this happens all over the place. There's people running around doing every other thing, doing every other thing. I don't have time to become a political leader on the side. I don't have time to run for political office like some people are doing. I don't have time for that. I don't have time. What, have you gotten bored with your calling? Do you think what God called you to do in the spirit is not as important as what you could do in the natural? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that what God called you to do by his spirit is not as important as what you could accomplish in your flesh if you got involved in local politics? What a fool to think that way. Well, I know I'm a pastor. I know I'm an evangelist, but I really need to take a step up and get into city government and state government and federal government because this is where the real changes are made. No, it's not. Listen, we've had state and federal governments for years and the problems still persist. The problems still persist. Look at the national debt. You've got the smartest people in the world running the budgets of the nation and the, and the nation's debt continues to blow up. It's like I heard one preacher say, if you put this federal government in charge of uh, this, this, the uh, Sahara Desert, in two years we'd be out of sand. If you let the federal government be in charge of the Sahara Desert, in two years we'd be out of sand. That's how well it's being run. It has nothing to do with social justice. It has nothing to do 
The hearts of men can't be changed by, by SJWs. The hearts of men cannot be changed by uh, debate or idealism or, or, or conversations. Well, what we really need is better conversations. No, we don't. What we really need is the fiery preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People don't even know it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. It's a sin issue. I have never, as a believer, felt the need to walk on my brothers and sisters that are in the body of Christ that don't have the same skin shade as I do. I've never felt the need. I mean, that's, that's foolishness, because when God changes your heart, when God changes your heart, you're different than the rest of the world. And you know how you, you can actually be healed and actually be restored and be a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you can literally forget those things which are behind and press toward the mark. It's sad to me. It's sad to me when you've got people that aren't even Christians. They interviewed Morgan Freeman. They interviewed Morgan Freeman on the news and asked about skin color. And if you think inequality is stopping people in this nation, he said, absolutely not. He brushed it aside like it was foolishness. He said, of course not. He's not a preacher. He's not a pastor. He's not an evangelist. He's an actor. And to my knowledge, not a believer. And you understand that you've got somebody that's not even in the body of Christ who's being interviewed on a national and some would say international level being asked the question. And he said, of course not. Of course not. And, and, and it's insane because when you get saved, you, you, and the thing is, we don't have to say, you know, it, it's, it is, it is foolish to say like, you know, well, I don't see color. Well, of course my, my eyesight's not damaged. I can see that people don't look the same as me. What I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't matter that they don't look the same. You know, I don't have to walk around saying, well, I don't see color. I don't see color. Of course we can see color. The point is color doesn't mean anything doesn't change whether or not I love you, doesn't change whether or not I honor you, doesn't change whether or not I fellowship with you, doesn't change whether or not we can work together. That's craziness. And I don't have to fill my timeline with tons of pictures of me and every black person I know and every Puerto Rican person I know so that everybody that follows me can think, wow, he's really not racist. If you can't tell, if you don't know by my life and by my actions that I love people, then I have a problem that I've not been loving loud enough. It's just blowing my mind. Everybody feels like they got to jump on their Instagram feed and post pictures with every person they know of color. It's like, bro, I love you. I don't have to post pictures to prove it. I will live a life of love. I walk in love. I minister in love. And, and listen, race walks both sides of the street. Racism. Both sides. There's racist white people, there's racist black people, there's racist Puerto Ricans, there's racist Asians. Everybody that's wicked can have a racist and a hateful heart. You know, there's not just white churches where black people aren't welcome, there's black churches where white people aren't welcome. If you don't know it, travel a little bit, you'll find out. We don't have to be colorblind, we can clearly see color. What I'm saying is color shouldn't matter. I don't look at somebody's color when I wonder whether or not they can be my brother in Christ. That's foolishness. And there's a wicked spirit 
running through the earth that's trying to divide the body of Christ rather than bring us together. And Christians are falling prey to the narrative and to the lie. And they've, they've, let me just tell you what's happened. People have spent more time reading their Twitter feed, their Instagram feed, Facebook stories, and listening to the news than they have cracking open their Bible and reading the Holy Word of God. And you know what? Because that's happened, people's hearts, what are people's hearts filled, filled with? You will fill your heart. That's why the book of Proverbs says, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Go with me, Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four, we need to read it. Listen to this. Very important that we get it. Verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs or the issues of life. So the book of the Bible that has been given to us to promote wisdom. By the way, if you don't understand the purpose of the book of Proverbs, let me read it to you in Proverbs chapter 1. The Bible says the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase their learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. So understand the whole purpose of this collection of proverbs is to give understanding to the simple, it's to teach the young, it's to give us a fear of the Lord and understand how to walk. That's the purpose. And when the writer of Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. Notice this. Keep your heart with all vigilance. I mean, guard it like you'd guard a city. Guard it like you'd guard a vault. With all vigilance, guard your heart. Why? For from it flow the springs of life. That's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. And that's what's happened. You've got Christians that have filled their hearts with the wrong things. They've filled their hearts with news reports. They've filled their hearts with their Twitter feeds. They've filled their hearts with stories they read on Facebook. They've filled their hearts with stuff and injustice they've seen on Instagram. And then as a result, then they've been told by that narrative how they should think, how they should act, what they should do. And you've got Christians in the body of Christ that are being directed by an anti-Christ narrative and taking action the way the world thinks we should take action. And you know what's happened? They've not guarded their hearts. And so now... What's in the abundance of their heart is starting to come out. And what's it bringing? Division, problems, more hate, and disorder. And according to James chapter 3 and verse 16, every evil work. Every evil work. So you start to recognize what's going on, don't you? You start to see what's happening. 
you start to recognize that if I don't guard myself against this stuff, if I don't guard myself, what can happen is I can allow my flesh to become angry. I can allow my flesh to take over and to start taking fleshly actions, carnal actions that have nothing to do with the mighty word of God. Nothing to do with it. I'm going to go back to James. James chapter 3. Listen, I'm going to read the rest. There will be disorder. This is verse 16. I'm going to go now through verse 18. There will be disorder and every vile practice. Every vile practice. It all stems from that. Now listen. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Then, look at this, peaceable. Peaceable. Gentle. Open to reason. <laughs> Every single nut job in Seattle that's put, making these demands is operating in an antichrist spirit and not in wisdom from above. And any Christian that agrees with anything that's going on out there or these kinds of violent things, and these kind of disorderly things, you are operating in an antichrist spirit. You've not guarded your heart because the Bible says that is not the wisdom that comes from above. The wisdom that comes from above is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Listen, I don't disagree with you that injustice is wrong. I agree with you. I don't agree. I don't disagree. We need to stand against it and speak up and use our freedom of speech and our freedom to protest and freedom to God. I don't disagree with any of that. We should do that. But hear me. Here's where your wisdom as a Christian should differ from the wisdom of the world. Hear me once again. There are people who have said the Christian way just doesn't work, and I've recognized that now, and I've recognized that what we have to do things in the flesh to change the world. <laughs> you know, I thank God for an anointed man of God named Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I thank God for his life. Thank God for what he accomplished because he did accomplish a lot through his life. But one thing he did not accomplish is ending racism because as far as we've come, even as far as we've come since the Civil War, understand, people alive today had nothing to do with any of that had nothing to do with slavery, slave ownership. By the way, it was Democrats that uh, wanted slaves to continue in slavery, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in. But none of that, none of us have had anything to do with that. It's, it's so many years ago. But remember this, no matter, you know, and thank God slavery was abolished. Thank God. Thank God for all that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did and accomplished. And it was a lot. And he was an anointed man of God. But notice what nobody can change. Notice what nobody can bring an end to, hate. Notice that nobody can bring an end to racism because it's, it doesn't stem from anything else 
but a wicked heart. Don't be a Christian that is so fooled by this Antichrist narrative that you somehow think that doing things in the flesh is going to bring an end to hatred. The only thing you can do, I've been saying it and saying it and saying it, only thing you can do is bring a better way or a more swift way to bring punishment to injustices, but it will never, doesn't matter what laws you pass, doesn't matter the, the legislation that goes through, none of that matters. The only way you can see this logically is seeing that everything that's, uh, that's strictly against the law is still happening in mass. Child pornography still continues. Sex trade still continues. Murder still continues at massive rates in our nation. Drugs and drug trafficking still continues. Well, it's all against the law. It's all against the law. It's all punishable and some of it heavily punishable, but it still continues because the thing is just because there's a risk of punishment and a threat of punishment doesn't stop the wickedness inside of a person's heart. You understand that? It doesn't end what's in a person's heart. And Christians need to wake up. You need to wake up and understand change doesn't come that way. It doesn't come that way. If you want to actually remove hate from a person's heart, if you want to actually remove wickedness from a person's heart, why do we not see the streets flooded with Christians that are interested in winning souls to Jesus Christ and bringing them into the kingdom of God. If you understand the urgency of change, why? I had somebody tell me I passed out tracks on the street. Passed out tracks. I mean, I want you to think about this. People are so swift to run to the streets. Run to the streets. Run to the streets. If you really want to remove wickedness from the heart of a man then do what the Bible says. Jesus, by the way, had all kinds. And anybody that's faithful to the word of God and actually can rightly divide the scripture knows Jesus had all kinds of opportunities to create activists and to create activism. They were living in Roman-occupied Jerusalem where the Romans were like, set, like crucifying the Jews, brutally murdering them. They had by force taken over Jerusalem. And the all kinds of people, the Pharisees, the disciples, Jesus, when are you going to set up, when are you going to set up your kingdom and drive the Romans out? When are we going to set up and have a sovereign nation again as Jerusalem? That's what they were asking him. They thought he was there to set up an actual kingdom. They thought he was there to actually drive the Romans out and to set up a, an independent Jerusalem and Israel again. That's what the flesh wanted. When are you going to drive them out? When are you going to set up our kingdom? When can we establish our kingdom again? That's what they thought he was there to do. Jesus didn't do any of that. He could have, by his supernatural power, uh, empowered people to be activists on the streets. He didn't create political activism. Jesus did not endorse political activism. He did not even empower his disciples to speak out against the government. And when they gave him an opportunity and brought him a coin and said, should we really, as Jews, should we really pay taxes to Caesar? Should, is that right? He said, show me a coin whose image is stamped on the coin. Render unto Caesar things that are Caesar's and render unto God things that are God's. Even when he had plenty of opportunities to be a political activist, he didn't do it at all 
Because in divine wisdom, he understood that's not the way to change the world. The way to change the world is to change the hearts of men. When a heart comes into the kingdom and is renewed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, then God puts into you a new heart, removes the heart of stone, and gives you a heart of flesh, makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus, and old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That means you forget those things which are behind. You get healed of your past hurts. You forgive those. You understand? You forgive those that have wronged you. The disciples, how often should we forgive somebody, Jesus, that sins against us? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. That was in one day, by the way. If someone does the same sin against you, Uh, 490 times in one day. He said, forgive them 70 times seven in a day. Should we forgive them seven times? No, I tell you, 70 times seven. A real Christian, forgetting those things which are behind, being healed of those things that went on in the past and letting them go and pressing towards the mark, the high calling in Christ Jesus, understanding that you can't continue to move forward and still look to the past. You can't move forward into what God's called you to do and still look to the past. It doesn't work that way. And if we think we're going to change a nation by doing something Jesus never endorsed, Jesus himself never did when he had all the opportunity in the world to do it. You hear that? He had all the opportunity in the world to do it and never once did it. Never once. For every person that gets online with your horrible ability to rightly divide the word, I said, if you don't think marches work for anything, just ask the people of Jericho. If you think that the people of Israel were marching around Jericho for political activism reasons, you don't even know the word of God. People are so careless and flippant to take the word of God and abuse it and molest it to make it do whatever they want it to do for their current little purpose. The shepherd leaving the 99 to go get the one has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Has everything to do with salvation. The woman who banged on the door of the unjust judge in Luke 18 has nothing to do with activism, has everything to do with Jesus, which it tells us in the passage, Jesus encouraging his his disciples to always pray and not to faint. And shame on the people that use the word of God for their own little agenda And they won't even obey the plain teachings. Oh, I've got a deep revelation about Luke 15, the 99 and the one. Yes, the 99 are important, but their lives aren't the ones that are in trouble right now. It's the one. So Jesus goes to get the one. It's not about activism. It's about salvation. And isn't it interesting that people can find all these deep revelations? They can find all these deep revelations in the word to support their little agendas, but they won't even do the things that are plainly commanded. They won't do what's plainly commanded. But they'll come up with all these little reasons to do their little thing. It's foolishness, and Christians shouldn't be that person. You should stand up and do what Jesus said will change the world, will change our nation, will change this generation. And it doesn't change without the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you Romans chapter 1 and then Romans chapter 10. I don't think people get this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it and people can get mad if they want. But I'm happy. Hallelujah. Because God's moving in our nation. 
I'm not upset. I'm happy. God's moving in this nation. The last seven months of this year are going to be the best months we've ever seen of any year in Jesus' name. This is our year of violent increase, expedited favor. 2020 wasn't canceled by the devil. We're getting ready to see the greatest breakthroughs we've ever seen in the history of our lives as Christians. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel, verse 16, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul said it is the gospel that's the power of God to salvation. Now let me read you Romans chapter 10 and show you the only answer, the only answer for this generation and for the world. Romans chapter 10, catch this. The Bible says in verse 13 of Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So notice the way Paul breaks it down. It is impossible for people to be saved if they don't hear the gospel preached. The only thing, and he said it in Romans 1, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So notice, the only element that will bring salvation is the mighty gospel of Jesus Christ. The mighty gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. And Paul was clear. If they don't, how can they believe in somebody they've never even heard of? How can they hear about him unless there's a preacher? How can he preach unless he's sent? So you see that there's a step-by-step -step process. We're the preachers, you and I, that have been sent to the world. The question is, how can they believe in a Jesus they've never heard of? How can they believe, how can they believe on a name they've never heard? And how can they hear the name unless we preach it to them? And if you somehow think that political activism is more important, I'm not saying it's not important. I said, if you think it's more important than doing the work of the ministry that we've all been called to do, you don't understand the Bible and you don't understand what Jesus and Paul and those that were inspired by the Holy Ghost were commanding us to do. You don't get it. And it's time for us to get it. It's time for us to stand up and know that only Jesus can change the hearts of men. God bless you, Dwayne. Dwayne's in Ozark, Alabama. He's listening. We love you. <clears throat> only Jesus can change the hearts of men. Nothing else changes it. Paul tried to use the debate system in Athens. He said, you know, I know you guys are a bunch of philosophers and 
I know there's Stoic philosophers and I know there's Epicurean philosophers here. Let me stand up and try to debate you with my human wisdom and use my human wisdom to bring you into the kingdom. It was his least successful mission in his entire ministry. The Bible says only a few people believed and left and said, I believe the, the gospel. And the majority of them said, maybe we'll hear you again about this. And others said he was crazy. It was his least effective mission because it's not about the wisdom of men. It's about the power of God. He said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, I did not come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The only thing that'll change us is the power of God. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so you got to understand this today. You see the division? I mean, look what's going on around our nation. It's crazy. Defund the police. Create districts where we're not in America anymore, inside the borders of America. It's anti-Christ. I said it's anti-Christ. I want you to put it in the comments. I'll not bow to an anti-Christ agenda. I want you to put that in the comments section. I will not bow to an anti-Christ agenda. Write it. If you've got to put it in all capital letters, put it in all caps. I refuse to bow to an anti-Christ agenda. Not me. I'm full of the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm full of the nature of God. I am a child of the King, and I'll not be led around by the nose by an anti-Christ agenda, being told how I should think, being told what I should do, being told which actions I should take. Give me a break. I'm not doing it. I will not bow to an anti-Christ agenda. Write it and put it in the comments. I will not bow to an anti-Christ agenda. Never. You're not going to see it. It's not going to be my story. I stand for the word of God. I stand for what the word of God says to do. What it says to do. And so I want you to catch this with me today. Is that the only thing we can do to change the hearts of men. You want to bring hate to an end? You want to bring racism to an end? Every person you bring into the kingdom and they're made a new creature, that's the end of racism. That's the end of hate. For the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts. That's the key. And I'm so thankful for every single one of you that are on this broadcast daily because you're hungry to see the change that God's ready to make. I'm so thankful for every one of you that are faithful to log on and to spend time here hearing the word of God because it's proof that you're on fire and that you're hungry to see Jesus change a generation. I thank God for you. I thank God for you daily. And I'm thanking God for you today because Jesus is anointing us <laughs> he's anointing us to see the change that needs to happen to happen and take place. He's anointing us with a boldness and with a word to change a generation by the fire of the Holy Ghost. And it will happen. This is going to be the greatest end of a year that we've ever had. Hallelujah. The greatest end of a year that we've ever had in Jesus' name. As I get ready to pray for you at the end of this broadcast, I want you to hear it with me today. 
that you are not insignificant, that you're not a silent person, no one can hear your voice. You are a lion in the earth. You have a roar to be heard. And what needs to happen is that our efforts, our time needs to be spent bringing people into the kingdom of Jesus Christ rather than being divided in the body about what we think about the news or what we believe. We don't need to be divided in the body. We need to be unified in the body because we have the only answer that this world will ever see. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And we're anointed to preach his name, to speak his name, to work his miracles, to do the works that he did all throughout this earth. John 14, 12, the works that I do, Jesus said, you will do also. And even greater works will you do because I'm going to be with my father. What he was saying was, I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. And when I send you the Holy Spirit, you'll be different than everybody else. You'll be a supernatural being able to work my works until I come again. And so let me pray for you because let me, let me say this. It's more important than ever before that we have on fire Christians. I preached it here in the revival a couple of nights ago that there are people who've lost the fire. They've lost their fire. And it's time to catch on fire again. Time to catch on fire again. It's time for everyone. Thank you, Janet, for sowing a seed. It's time for us to burn with the fire of the Holy Ghost and to put our blinders on and walk into what God's called us to do. And I'm asking God for a boldness to come upon God's people will not be silent. While everybody else is standing up for what they believe, will not be silent in Jesus' name. Will not be silent. Hallelujah. Will not be silent. I want you to lift your hands if you can. I want you to bow your head if you can, wherever you're at. Maybe you're at work. Maybe you're driving. Don't do it if you're driving. There's my friend in the UK, Pastor Joel Toller. I love you, buddy. I love you. But I want you to hear me wherever you're watching. It's so vital that we hear this. It's time for us to be anointed and on fire again. It's time for us to stand up for what is true and what is right, what is righteous. I will not water down the truth to make wickedness comfortable, to make wickedness happy. We can't do that. We need the real fire of the Holy Ghost. The Lord is anointing us. And so I want you to bow your heads with me if you can. Maybe you just logged on to watch this crazy preacher preach for an hour <laughs> and 15 minutes. And you've never been on the broadcast before. Maybe you're not even serving the Lord, but I want to give you an opportunity to serve Jesus. If you're watching this, no matter what nation you're in, you say, if Jesus did come back today, I know I'm not ready to see him. I'm not ready for heaven. And I want to know that my life is right with God. If that is you, I want you to bow your head and pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I thank you for sending your son to die for me. I ask you now, forgive me of my sin and make me new. Give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life until I die or until Jesus comes. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart you raised him from the dead. And today I am saved. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to go to our website, miracleword.com. Miracleword.com. Click the button in the menu that says, I just got saved. We want to pray for you by name. We want to bless you with some free gifts, help you take next steps in the kingdom of God. So don't, don't delay. Go to miracleword.com 
and click on I just got saved and let us stand with you. For those of you that are watching me, bow your head, lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' wonderful name, I ask you that you would fill us with the gift of faith and give us a mighty impartation of boldness, the fire of the Holy Ghost coming upon us today in a new measure. Give us that impartation like we've never had. Let us run this race with fervor. Let us run this race with all kinds of boldness that, Lord, we'd never stand down to the enemy. We would never sit down and shut up. But like Jeremiah, your word is a fire. Shut up in our bones. We're weary of holding it in. I pray now in Jesus' wonderful name that you would remove the fear and the panic that's tried to come on the people of God. I curse the spirit of fear and I command it to go in Jesus' name. Lord, I take authority over a spirit of heaviness. I command it to go in Jesus' name. We lose peace and joy to the people of God today. We thank you that the fire, Lord, if there's anybody watching me, that their fire has burned out, they've grown cold, or they're in a place where they don't feel as they once did to, to follow God with that same fervor and boldness like they used to. From this day forward, turn that around. I pray that you'd light them on fire again and let them be the boldest believer in their region. Let them stand up with a hunger and a compassion for souls to see them saved and come into the kingdom of God. Lord, anything that has been sent by the enemy to destroy those that are watching, to hinder them from fulfilling their call. Lord, sickness that tries to hold them back, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. Disease, it's rebuked in Jesus' name. Be made whole in the wonderful name that's above every name. We thank you, Lord, for blessing your people. We give you glory for the best days are ahead in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. If you believe it, you know what to do. Throw some fire in the comment section and say amen. Shout hallelujah. If you believe it's already done and it's already taking place. Thank you, Jesus. Let me encourage you, those of you that are watching, to stand with us. To stand with us. What are we believing God for? We're believing God to shake a generation before it's too late. We're believing God to see his spirit touch this nation before it's too late. Why do I say before it's too late? Because this is a limited time offer. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming very soon. And that's why we're believing God to see souls saved before the rapture takes place. When you stand with us in partnership, you're standing with a soul winning and a miracle ministry that's believing God to see people changed and is seeing people changed. Even in a state right now that was one of the most strict states in the United States, New York, we're here. We were here Saturday and Sunday, and the revival got extended for three more days. We're here. It's Wednesday night now. And let me tell you, people have been coming. They are hungry. Hallelujah. They are hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost. And I know America's hungry. The UK is hungry. Canada's hungry. The world is hungry. And it's time. This nation's opening. Other nations are opening. It's time to push forward. It's time to declare we refuse we refuse to let this generation go to hell. And when you stand with us in partnership, you are locking in with this ministry, believing God for revival. How do you do it? You go to miracleword.com. You can click on the give tab or the partner tab and stand with us. Let me encourage you. Stand with us on a monthly basis. Whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you to do, 
We have people that are standing at every level monthly, literally, every level. We have people that give $10. We have people that are sewing $100 a month. We have people sewing $500 a month, $750 a month. We have people that are sewing $1,000, $5,000. Somebody sewed just now $15,000. We're believing God to see a generation changed. What is he asking you to do? See, you have to do it at your level and by your instruction from God. Ask yourself this and ask the Lord, what can I do on a monthly basis to stand with Ted and Carolyn and Miracle Word Ministries as they're feeding people around the world, as they're preaching the gospel around the world, as they're seeing souls saved and bodies healed and people delivered from addictions and torment? What is it that you can do? Love you, Stephanie. Ask the Lord and he'll speak to you. And then whatever it is he speaks to you, if you'll go to miracleword.com and click that give page on that form, you can fill it out and sow a seed and a recurring seed every month. And we thank you for standing with us. I appreciate our partners so much. We have the greatest, I believe, the greatest partners in the world, the Victory Tribe, the mighty men and women. And we ask the Lord, attach to us mighty men and women that feel the same way we do, that we've got to get to work before time runs out. We've got to get to work before time runs out. If you're in the United States, you can also use Cash App. The, the uh, username is MWGive. MWGive. You can use Venmo. Username is the same. MWGive. PayPal is available. That's info at miracleword.com. If you're on Facebook or Periscope, Twitter, you can use hashtag donate as others have done today. And we say thank you. The easiest way, no matter where you are around the world, is to go to miracleword.com. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. This has been powerful. Tonight's our final scheduled night here in Horseheads, New York, His Tabernacle Church. Pastors Mike and Rhonda Spencer, I'm telling you, it's been phenomenal. And just to see the hunger of people has been amazing. And so I'm looking forward to tonight. If there's any way you can get here for tonight's service, it starts at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If not, it'll be live online streaming, and you can join us on the um, on Facebook. Sue, we love you and Seth so much. All of our family in Rochester, we love you guys. And uh, I can't wait to see what God's going to do tonight. I got my faith set for a Holy Ghost service. See people changed by the power of God. Thank you for hanging with me. Thank you for sewing. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again in the morning, 10.30 a.m., right here from New York. And then, of course, tonight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I love you guys so much. Thanks for spending time with me today, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Have a great day. Be blessed. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.